Well, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 6. This morning we're going to hone in on verse 13, which is really going to be in a flyover of this whole text. And next week we'll begin with the belt of truth and, and, and begin to just look at the armor of God. Uh, but I think it's worthy of our time to spend as much time as we've spent on this passage because the way he sums up uh, this whole letter is in verse 10 with the word finally. And so let us get the full effect. Uh, so let's read verses 10 through 20 of Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you, might, you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, praying at our, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Father, just ask that Your Spirit would open our eyes to uh, wonderful things in this Word that the Apostle Paul gives us at the end of his letter. Lord, I pray that all of our hearts would submit ourselves underneath Your Word that the Lord Christ can have His proper authority over our lives for He is worthy. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to begin by reminding us of, of something I've uh, reminded us of before as we've looked at this text. Well, let's put ourselves in Peter's shoes once again. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. For when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you've denied three or in, until you three until you deny three times that you know me. So Peter found himself in his own spirit willing and wanting to be faithful to Christ. And Christ told him that his willingness, he didn't say, you don't really want to do that, Peter. What he says is, is you're going to fall. Peter was trusting in what he had. And Jesus says, the reason why you're going to come back to me again is because I prayed for you. 
He says, Satan has demanded to have you. And then Jesus told him what would happen if Satan got free reign at Peter. Jesus said, you will be sifted like wheat. You're no match for Satan, Peter. Now, Jesus loved Peter. Peter was one of the tough disciples, I would say. If you're going into battle, you want Peter with you. And Jesus told him, you don't stand a chance in and of yourself. And in Mark 14, 37, just moments after this, uh, Jesus brought the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane. And here's what He says. He came and found them sleeping and He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And the spirit there in your ESV Bible, is in the lowercase s. And the interpretation is this. Peter, I know you want to follow me. I know you're willing to follow me. But the flesh is weak. You need to pray. You need to rely on power outside of yourself. And as we look at this text, this is what Paul is saying. Paul is repeating these same things to his church. In verse 10, he says, finally, finally, at the end of all this, all this talk of God's redemption, electing you before the foundation of the earth in love, bringing about your salvation through Christ's blood, being redeemed by Him being filled with the Spirit of God, being made one. After all that, after He's told us how to live in this world, in our relationships, and with one another, He ends by saying, finally, how are you going to do it? Be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might. That's what Peter wasn't doing. He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The devil will sift you like wheat. So you can't stand in your own strength. You need to stand in the strength that God provides. That's what Paul is saying. He says, for we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Now, Paul tells us that we have an enemy and we have powers that are heavenly powers in heavenly places that are against us. You know, I had the privilege this weekend to have Luke Ristow show me all these Star Wars figurines. And to show me the good guys and to show me the bad guys and to tell me about these battles that I don't know personally, but they sound incredibly exciting. And to look at these characters, and they have these lightsabers, this like supernatural power. It made me think, you know what? As a kid, you can be playing with these and have so much fun in your imagination with it. And sometimes you can have this thought, if only it was real. If only 
there was another realm that was so exciting. And yet, our text tells us that your life, Christian, and my life is not fundamentally a life lived in the realm that we can see. But there is Star Wars going on. There is power so strong we cannot fathom them. And the interest is in your life. The interest is in your choices and your actions. That's why when Paul starts this letter in Ephesians 1.3, it's so important that he says this. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now you might start the letter and say, oh, that's good. He's blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. No, that's just not good. That's our only hope. Because if our enemies are in the heavenly realms, then I need spiritual blessings from the heavenly places that are stronger than the powers in the heavenly places to help me live. And we're told right at the beginning of his letter is that we have them. I want you to imagine for a moment if in the snap of a finger's you were thrust into the middle of the Kalahari Desert in Nambia. You're in the bush. The only supplies you have are what you're wearing right now. And let's say it's 5 o'clock in the evening. It's going to be getting dark in an hour. Now, does anyone know what you ought to be first concerned with? if you were put in that circumstance? There's a king roaming around that bush that hunts in the evening. Right? Thousands of lions roam the Kalahari Desert. And you might be saying to yourself, that's yeah, that, that thought is that'd be terrifying. I'm glad I'm not in those circumstances. Well, I'm here this morning to tell you it's much worse than that. That you live in a place much scarier than the Kalahari Desert at night. You live in a place that is called the present darkness. The present evil age. And you live at the time that is described as the evil day. And you have an enemy much scarier than a lion. And this enemy, like a lion, actually, his purpose in life is to devour you up. Children, I want you to listen to me. When you came to church this morning, did you think, I need to come to church because I live in a world where supernatural powers, the devil and his demons, want to destroy your soul. And it's real. It's not imaginary. This is what Paul is telling us. It's true. And so we need to listen 
when we're given the call to put on the armor of God and to take up the armor of God. This life is no joke. Do you realize everyone in this room will live for all eternity? There's a resurrection on the life and there's a resurrection unto death. And it's not a joke. This life is not just about how do I live my best life with the years that I have? How do I just have enjoyable time until the end? This life right now has eternity for your soul in the balance. And whether or not you have power over that demonic realm will determine where you spend eternity. Are you linked to power that is above every authority, every principality? Are you connected to Christ by faith? That's the question. In Ephesians 1, if we're looking for power, if we need power to stand, Ephesians tells us all about this power. Ephesians 1.15 For this reason, Paul says, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, and then what does he pray for? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you are called. What are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints? And then verse 19 what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe? He prays that these Christians that are already saved know the immeasurable greatness of His power that is towards those that are in Christ Jesus. Peter didn't, he didn't know it yet. He should have. He saw Jesus' miracles. He was sent out to do those miracles, and he did those. If anyone should have known, we would think it would be Peter, but he forgot. And so the Apostle Paul is praying for you and praying for me and for all the saints that we remember our inheritance. That's important to do in an evil day when death could be around the corner at any moment. And he's praying that you know the immeasurable greatness of his power that is towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. What power does it take to take a human being? Because Jesus Christ was a real human being. Yes, He was divine, but the same power that took Jesus' dead body and raised Him from the dead, and we say, whoa, there's power. Yeah, that is power. But it's more than that. It took a human being for the first time into the throne room of God, into the heavenly places, and sat Him down at the right hand. And you and I have spiritual, heavenly powers that are against us, that hate us. And the question is, is there any way I could be seated there with Christ, connected 
to that same power. And Paul's saying, yes, I'm praying that you know it. He seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, verse 21 of Ephesians 1, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who, who fills all in all. So did you get that? In Ephesians 1, Paul says, this Christ, such power was in His resurrection that He went above every demon, went above the devil. It says, far above every rule and authority. And that you and I, when we're found in Christ, have access to that power. Remember in Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. That's that spiritual realm. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But what changed things was this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Now this is good news. Because He's in the heavenlies, and He's made us alive together with Christ, He says. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's incredible. That means we're connected to the good guy, to God. That which is pure and that which is holy. And we were rescued out of Satan's kingdom. And we have access to His power. And then in Ephesians 3, still looking at this power, he says this in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So now we got Paul praying again in this letter. That according to the riches of His glory, He might grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being. Paul wants your heart and your mind and your desires to be strengthened by power that you don't have within yourself. When Peter tried to have it within himself, a little girl questioning him made him deny Christ. He wasn't strengthened with power in his inner being. He wasn't praying when Jesus told him to pray. He was in his own strength and his own wisdom. And then he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. He wants you to be strengthened in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts. That means in your minds. Through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love, meaning if, if Christ is sitting in you, you're grounded in love. That defines your life. Being rooted and grounded in love may what? He, he's praying still. May have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And then he says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church 
and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So when he says finally, he's already been praying for us that we have this strength and that we have this power far above what we can imagine. That he can do in us far above anything we could ask or imagine. And then you want to know what he does? He speaks of the most practical areas of life. Relationships in the church, marriage, home, and workplace. And none of that seems like Star Wars. The church, marriage, home, workplace. But all of you, if you're honest, have to admit that the battle has raged the most in your life and in my life in those seemingly ordinary things. There is a real battle. And Paul's told us, you don't struggle against flesh and blood. It's principalities and powers in these very normal areas. Children, listen to me. Alright? All the children here. When your parents ask you to do something or want you to obey, do you realize that there's a battle taking place in that moment? in the heavenly realms with angels and demons that want you, demons and the devil, want you to disobey your parents. And I, I remember with my own children, sometimes they would say, I want to, but how do I? I want to obey, but it's so hard, but how do I? And the answer is this, you need to be connected to power in heavenly realms. Power that's above Satan and his demons. You need to be connected to Christ. Because if you trust Christ, you actually can have the power to win that battle. These are all areas, church, marriage, home, workplace, we should expect to engage in spiritual warfare. But the question is this, do I feel that I really need supernatural armor for such normal earthly things? And the answer is, is you don't feel the need for that so often. And that's why your prayer lacks and my prayer lacks so often. We just shoot out into this world as though it's just a normal day in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Nothing exciting going on here. You know? We got Thanksgiving coming up, and then we got Christmas. Just normal time. What do I need such power from God for? And yet, we do. And that's why we so often find ourselves as Christians beat up. See, Satan's schemes are subtle. He wants you to think it's just a normal day. He wants you to think it's just a normal week and there's nothing. Now, if you're going to go witness to your friend, what do you do? You start praying, God, give me wisdom. I need help from you. There's certain times we know we need God's help. But for the rest of it, so often, we just shoot out into our day and Satan is so subtle, he's like, I got him. I got him. They've forgotten I exist. They've forgotten they have access to God's power in Christ. And so watch me make a muck of their life.
And so we find ourselves beat up, strong, struggling in these very ordinary areas. Satan deceives us. He deceives us through lies. The battle is against our minds. That's why the armor of God is going to be all about truth. You realize he attacks you in your mind. That's why when he says it's just an ordinary day, that's a mind lie. That's where the battle finds itself. But here's what happens. God's grace comes to us, begins before the foundation of the earth in our election. Before we're ever born, God chose us in His love. And we say, what did I have to do with that? He just did it. And then Christ lives your life for you as He lives a perfect life on this earth. And then He dies His life for you. And then the Spirit brings about someone who's spiritually dead, brings about the new birth for you. And so we're tempted to think when we come to this point in the letter, well, the reason why I don't worry much reason why I just go throughout my day is if God did all that, then obviously He's going to throw the armor on me when I need it. Wrong. Not what the text says. The text before us tells us we have access to the whole armor. The text doesn't say He'll throw it on you. And that's why we find ourselves in the predicaments we find ourselves in so often. Because we're not ready. We forget we live in the evil day. And we find ourselves beat up. Find ourselves messed up in sin. Find our relationships be struggling with pride and, and disunity. It's because we don't read carefully how our salvation works. Essentially, look at, look at verse 11 of Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God. Put it on. That's a command. Which means having access to His power is through obedience to this command. Yes, it's all by grace that you have access to His power. But if you don't put it on, what we should assume is, is it won't be on. Look at verse 13. Take up the whole armor of God. And so here's what Paul's saying. He's essentially saying, you've been given new life, so live in your new life. So if when the Holy Spirit bursts out a spiritually alive person in the new birth, that new person is alive and can live, but can also walk in the flesh. And so Paul says, you have new life, so live. So act out of your new life. The Christian life is not a passive life. It's a battle. To battle in and out of your salvation. You've been given new life. You've been given the Spirit of God. You've been given the Word of God. Use it. You see, we're tempted to think, well, if He saves me this way, then I can just passively do whatever I want. He's just going to throw the armor on me when I need it, fight all my battles, and I'm just going to coast on to heaven. That's not what Paul describes here. We're called to put on this armor now to have access to this power. 
The Christian life is not let go and let God. It is put on or be put down. It's put on the armor so you can stand, or if you don't put on the armor, you'll fall. Someone might say, as I thought in my mind as I'm wrestling through this, what about Philippians 1.6 that says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Well, if he began it, then he'll bring it to completion. So why should I worry about putting something on? Well, here's how this works. He begins the new work by giving you the new birth, and then he gives you everything you need to live. And the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin and convicts you to the point of repentance. And the promise is that those who get to the end in faith that are still standing, trusting in God, who did that? Because even when we put the armor on, whose strength is it? It's with the strength He provides, right? So we're never going to get to the end of it and say, look what I did. We're always going to say it's, it's grace. But it's how does the grace work? The grace doesn't work like a robot. God programs a robot, now it just does it. No. God gives us a new heart, new desires, a new will, and He throws us into the battle, and He says, battle with the resources I've given you. All right, so let's finish by, I want to point out so often, either in uh, the Hebrew or Greek, uh, the authors are making their points through repetition of words. It's always good to see the repetition and say, okay, what's he highlighting here? And uh, so I I want to work through this. And, and then we'll look at these six points as a way of summary. All right? Let's look at, uh, first of all, um, if you have your Bibles, open to Ephesians 6, because I want you to see these. So the, the, in your sermon notes, it's Christians give full effort to stand in God's strength against the powers of evil. That's the point. That's the charge of this whole text. And the first thing is remember you're at war. Alright? Let me, let me show you the word against. Look at verse 11. Against the schemes of the devil. We don't struggle against flesh and blood. Verse 12. But against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. This text is about a battle and about an enemy. We're at war and we're at war against Satan. We've talked a lot about that. And then we're to remember what day it is. Look at verse 13. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. He describes it present darkness in verse 12. Christian, you have to know what time it is. Here's how he says in Colossians 1.13. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness. Domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. It's an evil day. It's a present darkness. It's a kingdom of darkness that the world lives in. John MacArthur says this, every day since the fall has been an evil day for mankind. Every day will continue to be evil until the usurper and his forces are thrown forever into the bottomless pit. 
In the meanwhile, the Lord makes us able to resist in the evil day as we take advantage of the armor He supplies. William Gurnall, who wrote uh, uh, a book on the Christian in complete armor. John borrowed me this book. It's this thick. So you think we spent a lot of sermons on it. It's this thick, and it's words to the top of the page and to the bottom of the page. A Puritan. All on this. Here's what, here's what he says. He says, In heaven we shall appear not in armor, but in robes of glory. But here... The pieces of armor specified are to be worn night and day. We must walk, work, and sleep in them, or else we are not true soldiers of Christ. In this armor we are to stand and watch and never relax our vigilance, for the saint's sleeping time is Satan's tempting time. Every fly dares to venture to creep on him or on a sleeping lion. He goes on... uh, to instance, Samson, whose hair was cut by Delilah, Delilah when he slept. King Saul, whose spear was stole uh, by David while he slept. Uh, to Noah, who was in some way abused by his son while he was in a drunken sleep. And Eutychus, who slept while Paul preached. So his point is this. Know what time you live in so you know what to wear. And now is the time to be vigilant. You never relax. You know, I'm tempted on a Sunday where you feel like everything's kind of taken out of you to say, okay, there we go. Now, the rest of the day, my day. Relax time. Do what I want. Really? I think that's a pretty good time to attack, do you not think? Never take your armor off. Put it on is the point because we know what time we live. We have need of power. Let me just point this out. Look at this text. Be strong in the Lord. That means be endured, endued with power that is not your own. That's what we're called to be. And then it says, in the strength of His might. And then in verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand. That word able there is dunamai. It comes from the word dunamis, which means power. And then in verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. That you may have power, dynamite, to be able to stand. And then in verse 16, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith in which you can. That's dunamai. You may be able that you'll have power. This text is all about power so that you can stand. So we're to remember how weak we are and how strong God is. And then, we must remember that we must put on and take up the armor of God. This is what we've already talked about. We must do it. We must act. Peter ought to have prayed and got spiritual power when Christ told him to pray. And this is what we're going to look at. You're saying, how do I do it? Well, that's what we're going through the next few weeks here. And then... Finally, remember the goal of this battle is to stand. A lot of people get this wrong. A lot of people think that we're given power by God to go win all the battles that Christ will win in the end. It's not what he says. We're called to stand in the evil day. But I'm pretty sure Jesus Christ ties Satan up and throws Satan in the bottomless pit. You need to know what time it is. And it's perseverance time. It's fighting time to stand. 
John Stott says, this fourfold emphasis on the need to stand or withstand shows that the apostles' concern is for Christian stability. Wobbly Christians who have no firm foothold in Christ are easy prey for the devil. And Christians who shake like reeds and rushes cannot resist the wind when the principalities and powers begin to blow. Paul wants Christians so strong and stable that they remain firm even against the devil's wiles and in the evil day that is in the time of special pressure. For such stability, both in character and in crisis, the armor of God is essential. Martin Luther said, Here I stand as he stood before the Diet of Worms. His conscience was taken captive by the Word of God, and he needed to stand in that day. You know, the reality is, Christians, Christian ministers, Christians themselves can be fruitful for a huge chunk of their life and then fall and not endure and not stand. And Paul's concern is, he doesn't say live perfectly here. He says survive, resist. Stand in that day. Christ is there for your sin. But will you endure? Are you on the verge of giving up? The armor of God is meant to make us stand. Here's here's how Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.27, I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I should be disqualified. The Christian life is not let go and let gone. It really is, I need to put on so I can stand. Let me show you this in the text. Look at it uh, real quick. He says in verse 13, this is our verse we're looking at today, therefore take up the whole armor of God with this purpose to withstand in the evil day. And at the end, and having done all, to stand firm. In verse 14, stand therefore. And in verse 18, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. That's the point. That's why we need the armor of God. To stand. Let me give you three verses and we'll bring it to a close. James 4, 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It doesn't say slay the devil. It says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Christ will slay the devil. The devil's on the loose now. And he comes and he accuses you and he attacks you and you have what you need in Jesus Christ to resist him and his lies in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's how Peter said at 1 Peter 5.8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you suffered a little while, the God of grace who's called you to His eternal glory will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You see, you're not going to do that. You're not going to restore yourself. You're not going to confirm yourself. You're not going to strengthen yourself. You're not going to establish yourself. He is. And the devil's coming to attack And you need to resist Him and trust in Christ. MacArthur says, in the great spiritual warfare in which we do battle, 
We are not only called to resist and to or we are only called to resist and stand firm. As noted earlier, James says, "Resist the devil and he'll flee from you." And Peter counsels us to be of sober spirit, to be on alert. Your adversaries, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him firm in your faith. So Christians, have you been fighting? Have you just survived? Are you, are, you, are you just living in a normal world in a normal day? Unbelievers, I'm here to tell you that if you haven't put your faith in Christ, you haven't realized that you're a sinner and being a sinner under the just wrath of God and you haven't yet come to Christ who can swallow that wrath up as He takes your place. If, if you haven't yet put your faith in, tri in Christ, I can tell you you're not fighting. And the reason why you're not fighting is because you're enslaved. You're enslaved. He already has you. You're a son of disobedience. But Christ will rescue you out of that kingdom of darkness. Will you turn and have Christ? Do you see your need for Christ? Do you see the world you live in? Do you see that it's going to culminate before the day when you'll stand before Christ Jesus who died for sinners, and if you don't accept Christ, you will say, yeah, I considered, but I didn't think I needed it. You can have Him. Come to Him. He died for sinners. Put your faith in Him. And if you do that, Christ bore the punishment for all your sins. He paid the price. And He gave you His perfect life. His righteousness has been put in your account. And He'll give you the Holy Spirit. And He'll open your eyes to the Word of God. And you'll have access to power above every heavenly power. The highest power. You'll be seated at the right hand of God with Christ. 